light on. Welcome to Circuitous Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode 71 for Monday, January 16th, 2012. I am Bill Wattman. And I am Dan Gottesman. And uh, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back, new listeners. We got a lot of new listeners in the past week. It's true. So uh, hope you uh, stick around. Yeah. And if you like what you're hearing, uh, go over to iTunes and... Sign up. Yeah. Sign up, leave a review. Leave a review. Give us a five star. You don't even have to do that. You know, if you don't want to type anything, you just do the the star rating thing. Yeah. But then uh, more people will find us. Yeah. Which is always good. And your feedback is always welcome. We should maybe we should start the show off that way for a change. True. If you guys want to uh, drop a line, get in touch. uh, The best place to go is circuitous.tv, where you can find uh, a post for every episode with uh, comments if you want to say stuff. And if you want to be a little bit more intimate, more private, you can even uh, send us an email at circuitousconversations at gmail.com. There you go. There you go. Easy peasy. Japanesey. Is that offensive? To whom? Japanese people. I don't know. I'm not Japanese. The only place I think I've ever heard that is uh, in the Shawshank. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Huh. You've heard it other places? I, I don't know. I don't remember hearing it in Shawshank, but I believe you. I mean, the, I, I, the old guy who has the bird, Brooks. whatever his name is, Brooks. Yeah. yeah, he goes, there it is. Easy peasy, Japanesey. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think I've heard it. I might have heard it from someone else outside of that. Maybe they got it from That's Shawshank. possible. I mean, I'm sure it's been around since the 50s. Oh, I'm sure it's a generational thing. I'm just figuring that, you know, stuff that we would have heard as children and whatnot. Uh, yeah, no, you know, I think, uh, you know, actually I think I might've first like took it, you know, it's like you, you have sometimes you, you'll, you'll hear something, but you won't, it won't stick with you yep. until you hear it in another context. I think I want to say now, uh, the thing that got it stuck in my brain was a soul coughing song. Really? I think so. I was never a soul coughing listener. So that explains that. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to look it up. Okay. But that's my guess. Anyway. So, uh, as you know, I don't normally fetishize stuff. Okay. As, uh, as far do as, tell. <laughs> as far as photo gear goes. Really? You, you, know, you don't think you fetishize things? Well, I think gear is gear is gear in many times, often. I mean, I guess there's little things that I fetishize, but I'm not like a super, oh my God, have to have that new thing. I'm not that guy. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. Um, but, you're, not a, you're not a cutting edge, bleeding edge kind of guy. You're not the first guy on the block to get the new toy kind of deal. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Most of the time I don't really care, especially as I get more mature in my photographic endeavors. Mm-hmm. I, th- th- they're just boxes, you know? Yeah. Gear is gear is gear. It's just a tool, bro. Yeah. However, <laughs> uh, th- I've, been, I've been thinking about getting a... I was looking for a new camera bag yesterday, and I know we've talked about bags before. Sure. We've talked about the crumpler stuff we like. I love me some bags, man. I'm yeah. all about the bags. I know. Crumpler. And yep. you like those, uh, the Kelby. Is that what it is? Kelby? Uh, what, what's, the, what's the brand? Oh, as far as backpacks are Kelty. concerned. I'm a, I'm a Kelty fan. Kelty but backpacks. for camera bags, if I had to just narrow it down to one, I would probably uh, pick uh, Think Tank. Okay, Think Tank. Yeah. Or there's the, uh, what's the other, um, Tenba? A lot of people Ten, like Tenba. Sure. Tenba makes a fine bag. Uh, right. I used to be a big Donkey fan back in the sure. day. Sure. Here's the problem with all of those bags. Oh, please tell me what the problem is with all of them, Bill. 
they look like camera bags and they all look no matter how whether they cost $50 or $250 they look like just cheap nylon bags to me all of them well they all look like camera bags that you got at B&H photo like there's nothing professional about them you know well, what I mean no I don't because when you say professional I mean when you when you call something professional yeah to me that that's that's uh, a classification that is reserved for people who make their living with that thing. Okay. Right? They are professional in the sense that they do what they're supposed to do. They protect the stuff. They're no, easy no, to carry. That's not even it. I'm, I, that, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying if you were to take a sampling of yeah. you know 10 professionals yep. and, and take an inventory of the stuff that they use to do whatever it is that they do, yep. the, that stuff that they're using, regardless of what other people call it, would be professional. Okay, your definition is true. Um, Thank you. However, what I'm kind of talking about is when you walk into a room to take somebody's picture Uh and some guy is, I don't know, some highfalutin business person who's worth a billion dollars, I'm looking for a way to get a psychological advantage on that person. (laughs) Okay. there's, There's a game at play there. Okay. To, to, to get certain kinds of pictures in certain amount of time. And I've noticed myself wanting to play that game more. Okay. So therefore, I was Step sitting... one, you should get an assistant. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but but oftentimes, I don't... I, I don't The assistant, yeah, but the, even that's just kind of... Well, that's, that's part of the, what I'm about to talk about. I'm telling you, that's part of the game. Yeah, that's, yeah, sure. When you show up with somebody carrying around all your crap for you, that definitely establishes a yes, right, a hierarchy. Yeah. All right, but I usually don't like the other. Per- I usually like to carry my own camera. Okay, and, and I wanted to find a, a bag that uh-huh. could hold my camera, a couple lenses, and maybe a flash, mm-hmm. in such a way that it doesn't just look like I picked up the bag, you know, at, at the corner store. It was or it came with the camera because it was like you know, it doesn't have a logo. Here's a little on it. kit on it. Right. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, what would be really nice is like those um, uh, suitcases that lawyers use that kind of flap over the top. Sure. The document cases. Yeah. That like, you know, Coach makes them and all those other high-end companies. Yeah, and they're preposterously expensive. Exactly. And I was thinking, you know what? There's got to be – does anybody make a camera bag that looks like one of those? Like a nice leather thing that's going to last for 20 years if you take care of it? Sure. You know, that kind of thing. Sure, sure. So I was doing some because then you walk in with that and it looks like you are high end, you know, uh-huh. dress a little nicer, carry this thing. Oh, you're like this fancy photographer, not some kid walking in with jeans and, you know, a $400 digital SLR. Mm-hmm. So to that end, I was doing some research last night and I found this company called Ona. 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 And apparently <laughs> Ona uh, has some meaning in some language. It's like Swahili for something. Uh, in Swahili, it means to feel, to oh, believe, nice. and to experience with the eyes. Wow. That's really deep. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's marketing BS, right? But uh-huh. they make a bunch of different bags. They make these uh, backpacks. They make messenger bags that are like in the $250 range. So they're expensive, but they're not, you know, outrageously expensive. That's how much regular camera bags cost, dude. Exactly. Right. Um, So I went and looked, and they have this one bag called the Brooklyn, as (laughs) you would imagine, Mm -hmm. um, which kind of looks like a small version of one of those suitcases, or not suitcases, uh, um, document bags, briefcases, yeah, like a document case. Uh Uh, Supposedly, it's inspired by a classic 1940s school bag. 
and they show it with like a D seven hundred in it, a couple lenses, and a flash. Uh-huh. And it's leather, and it like you know has little clasps that click in, and the whole thing. Sure, looks really nice. Three hundred nine dollars, mm-hmm. and apparently it's sold out everywhere. It's on back order because they've sold so many of them. Um, but I want to check it out and take a look because I think this might be what I want because that's pretty much what I need to carry. You know, sure. a body, couple lenses, one flash. You know, and and that can get me a lot of where I want to go. And if I'm working on a bigger thing where I need to bring light stands and lots of flashes and stuff, it's probably a gig that I'm going to have somebody with me anyway. Right, or a second bag anyway. Right. You're not going to fit all that in one bag. Exactly. So it could be like the bag that I can carry if I just need to carry my camera, like a little kit. Anyway, just looking at it. And I don't sort of stare at stuff very often when it comes to stuff anymore. Used to be when okay. I was younger, I you know, you would look stuff up on the net or look in catalogs and just kind of, you know, oogle stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, keep looking at the same picture of the same thing until you got it. You know, when you were a kid, some toy or whatever it was. And for the first time in a while, I've been staring at this thing for the past 12 hours. I just keep pulling it up. Wow. Makes me want one. 300 bucks, though. That's not that bad for a nice leather satchel camera bag with, like, dividers and stuff in it. Sure. Um, and it looks like it's actually really well made and it's actually got a pouch in the front that they say fits like an iPad, but that's probably big enough to fit like a little diffuser. Oh yeah. That's probably true. You know, so it could be, uh, the ideal kind of bag that I'm looking for. So I just wanted to put that out there. Nice. No, I'm looking well, at a picture of it now and it's, it's a pretty little bag. Like it's a it. pretty bag. Yeah. They, and then they, I saw reviews for, they have these other bags called... Somebody else was reviewing the Camps Bay backpack. Like if you go up to Messenger Bags and Backpacks. Uh-huh. Um, they have this backpack. Apparently can fit a 17-inch MacBook Pro and a whole bunch of other stuff. And they say it feels really good. It's 420 bucks, But mm. apparently it's like a really serious bag. So they're not just like – it's not like some um, – they're designed to be camera bags. It's not like that some bag maker who just took one of their normal bags and put a couple of dividers in it. They're right. designed you know, to be camera it, bags. It kind of reminds me a little like the 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 overall vibe of this this company. Yep, uh, is reminiscent to um, Jack Spade. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, and I gotta say, uh, I still have a very fond place in my heart uh, for my. Uh, Jack Spade bag. I got I got a Jack Spade like six, Jesus, really long time ago. Like when they, just before they started to get really popular, you know, and yeah. like and like now, I don't know if it's still popular anymore. I'm not doing this, but it used to be like like a year after I got mine, every dude who was like an IT guy or a, you know a web, you know, every any anyone who carried around a laptop with them in you know in New York City seemed to have one of these Jack Spade bags. It was either sure. the black one or the navy one with, with like the black one with the gray interior or the navy one with the orange interior. I never owned one, but I know the ones you're talking about. And then, you know, they came in a, a handful of different variations over, over the, over the years. Um, yeah. and, and here's the thing, man, that bag is super well put together. I mean, I, I just love the simplicity of it. I love that it wasn't too big. Uh, and it was really unassuming looking. It was like clean. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't really use it anymore, but that's because I don't really carry a computer around anymore. Um, sure, but I still have it. I'm not going to get rid of it. Uh, it's it's a fine bag, and I actually have used it as a camera bag in uh, in in a pinch with. Uh, I I personally like those buckets. Uh, well, you know, my I I don't think a bucket would fit in there properly. Because uh, normally, yeah, if I'm if I'm going to go as far as bring a bunch of stuff, then I'll take a bigger bag. But for for 
if I just need like a body and two lenses, I'll I'll do the wraps thing. I'm a big fan okay. of wraps. So I have a handful of different wraps in different sizes. I get them from either Calumet or um, Domkey. And, uh, you know, they're like Velcro burrito felt lined, you know, cover, you know, little squares. And you just yep. wrap your, your stuff up like a burrito, basically. And, uh, yeah, and then you can, you know, confidently stick it in any bag and it should be just fine. But this is nice. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, you know, we've, we've talked about the, uh, the pros and cons of, uh, of dividers. And uh, I, these days, man, I... I'm I'm torn, you know. I I I get it. I mean, I I understand the whole having a dedicated bag for your dedicated kit, but for me, because my kit changes so frequently, or it's very rarely the same twice. Yep. Um, I I have a hard time committing to one dedicated bag. What what I'm sooner going to do is, and you know, and we've already talked again. We've mentioned this a million times, but uh, I use the the crumpler buckets, which I can cram a known, you know, like. Up, up to a certain amount of things in and then I can put those bag. I have two of those one for lights and one for camera and those can both fit in several of my other bigger bags um, so I guess my the way my bag bag strategy works is um, you know for, for big shoots bigger shoots I'll, I'll put those two bags you know the two buckets with my light stands and everything into one of those Kelty backpacks like we talked about yep uh, and then for smaller ones like when I'm going out um and I just want to have a, a small handful of stuff on me. I, I use the uh, the Think Tank Shapeshifter just because it's such a compact, lightweight bag. And you know, once it, empty, it's 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 really really lightweight, and it you know it's it's not bulky at all, and it still holds a lot of stuff. And the way the pockets are set up are really smart. I like it. Um, and then I still actually do if I need to do the work out of the work out of the bag kind of situation where I have you know I'm at a show or I'm at a uh, you know I'm I'm on location where I can't. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in and out of the bag all all di- you know the whole time. Obviously, a backpack is not practical for that. Um, so I'll, I'll do one of two things. I'll either use uh, the belt, you know, the think tank belt system with the pouches. Yep. Which which but sometimes that looks too dorky or it's just it's too you know it's pretty if nerdy. You're, if you're if you're in a situation where you're in a crowd and there's a bunch of people around you and you you know you don't want to have expensive gear just sitting there you know ready for the taking uh, out of your out of your pouch. Um, then I'll, then I'll actually go back to my old faithful Domkey bag, my F2, you know, the, the nice double wide bag that just holds a ton of stuff. And I can keep that right on my, you know, right on my side, right on my front. And, uh, it's, it's also re- super lightweight. I mean, it's not very well padded because it's made out of canvas, but, um, but yeah, I love that bag. It's, uh, you know, it is when I was saying professional, it's more, it's less a, um, money making issue in the way I'm using it and more of a status issue. Right. You know? I, hear, I hear what you're saying. Um, I, I can't tell you how many professionals I've seen though, man. Most, most professionals I know um, use a roller bag of some sort. You, either, yeah. Either if you have that much kit or not even, I mean, they make small ones now too. Um, and then on the medium format side, um, the, people tend to use the higher end lightware or Tenba air cases, yep. which actually, I think look super slick. I mean, those things are really clean and, and tight looking and they are built like tanks. I mean, and you can customize those to no end fitting exactly what you need. Um, you know, they're a little bulky, but yeah. you can, but that's also kind of cool because you can stack them really easily. So if you're packing up a cart and you have a bunch of crap to put together, yep. um, it, uh, it's, you know, lends, lends itself all that you can stand on some of those things. I mean, they, they can take a serious beating. Yeah. I have one. That's what my, um, large format cameras in. Oh, lightwear. Yeah. It came in one of those. Nice. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I just, you know, I want something that is just when I'm going out with a camera and a couple lenses, I'm going to use some available light, you know. You know what this bag reminds me of? Um, and I'm sure you've seen these. Uh, this reminds me of my dad's camera bag. So my dad um, got in on the whole Nikon F revolution as it was starting in the 60s. Um, and he picked up an original Nikon F and all this awesome old original Nikon stuff back in the in the late 60s. And uh, it wasn't uncommon for the camera companies to actually make bags to go with all their stuff. Yep. And he had this awesome brown leather Nikon camera bag that was designed for the Nikon F system. And it had these really great little, like, you know, compartments in them. Um that it was all like hard felt, you know, it wasn't like padded, like, like today's standard bags were, but they were like form fitting, like they were sure. snug, you know? And there's even like, I, I don't remember, to, I, I don't even, I don't think he still has it, but I remember there's even one compartment where there was like a special, like half circular cutout for like the longer lens, you sure. know, so you could yeah. stack it on top. Uh, and you know, it had, it had this like ridiculously skinny, like not even a half inch thick, like leather belt as a strap that, you know, couldn't have been terribly comfortable. Um, I sent you a link. I think I found a picture of something like it. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Scroll down a little bit. Uh, s- no, it, I may- maybe. No, it didn't look quite like that. Okay. It was darker and it had more of a bulge to it. Okay. But um, it was the, you know, like if you scroll up on that link, the the color. See those those. Uh, my dad used to call those never ready cases. <laughs> yep. Uh, the, they they're called ever ready cases. But that brown, the brown ever ready color. Sure. That's that, the color you click that the snaps was. off the back, and you have to pull it off the front, and then you, you kind of flip the thing forward. Yeah. So anyway, his yeah. bag was the same color as the uh, as the brown case. I always well, hated those things. I took it off. Oh wait a minute. F- so the case. Here we go. That the in the middle. See that um, the red interior. Yeah, it's, it was a it was similar to that except it was all brown. And yeah, that's what I was talking about. A different shape. Oh, I thought you were talking okay. about the ones underneath. No, no, yeah. We'll have to include a, a link to this in okay, the yeah. notes for people to see what they're talking about. But it's about. um no, I know what you're talking about, and that's the kind of thing I wanted to have more of an older feel. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Leica made these too. A friend of mine has a, a an amazing Leica kit, and it came, comes in this awesome old school brown leather suitcase type bag, like a doctor's bag. It's so cool. Yeah, see, that's, you know, just trying to, it's sort of trying to slow down the need a new thing every year kind of process. Yeah, man. You know? I think your your need a new thing cycle should be in the, you know, three to four yeah. years. Yeah. The Billingham makes all those cases for Leicas now. Oh, yeah. They're sort of that kind of thing, but they just don't quite look this nice. Anyway, yeah. enough, enough talking about stupid cases. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'm, I'm shopping for at the moment is a new printer. Oh, yeah. You had that old HP thing, right? Yeah, I have an HP B9180, which was like the uh, the HP Pigment 13-inch uh, printer. And it's I'm, it's great. Fantastic. I'll never get over HP's like idiotic product naming yeah. s- s- no, scenario. It's, it's yeah, like, but then again, is, is, is the B9180 any worse than the R2880? It is, uh, because you're talking about the Epson printers now. Yeah. Epson printers, at least for the past, I don't know, six or seven years have had a very like, you know, consecutive deliberate, uh, naming convention where the 2880 was the successor to the, uh, 1880, you know? <laughs> and you know, the Wait, 14... wasn't the 2880, the successor to the 2400, which is the successor to the 2200. No, the, the 1800... 1800 was different. 
there's the 1400 and then there's the, the 2400 and then there's the 20. Anyway, the point is you get an idea of where the printer lies in the line based right. on its number and, and you can see the history. You know, yeah. they're big. There's their giant ass plotter type printers. Those big ones are like the 9000 series. Sure. You know, whereas HP, you t- what was your printer name again? The HP 9180. Yeah. See, that doesn't. I mean, yeah, it doesn't tell you anything. Doesn't tell me too much. I mean, and they made they made one other printer in this line which used the same cartridges, which uh-huh. was a little dumber. Like it didn't have a screen uh-huh. on it and stuff. What was that? Which one? was like the B eighty eight twenty or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, the, you're you're right. It, I, they, I mean, the only no exception meaning. to the rule was uh, was in the old days the the uh, laser jets. Yeah. Uh, I had a huge. I I loved those printers, man. Those things were tanks. Right. Uh, and then you know they they were really simple. There's the laser jet two, <laughs> laser jet. Four, you yeah. know, and then they had a couple. There were a couple of goofy little add-on n- letters or numbers, like you know the four M or the four N N V or whatever. And then, but, but honestly, the way HP designed their products, um, you could actually upgrade any of the one, you know, the base models to the the higher end models because they were usually just like, oh, this one comes with two trays or three trays, and this one has a network interface, or this one, you know, this one sure. has this particular top you know top loading envelope feeder or whatever and you can the problem is all of these different companies have gotten to the point where they think people want choice (laughs) and so they make 43 different versions of everything like that it's like a pasta sauce yeah um and it's it's just just apple has it right in that they have a very simple they do and they don't though man well because then you could go in and you could Set them up to your heart's content, and no, end up no, with no. Four we're talking different about different we're talking about naming here, man. So here's oh, the, the problem. Na- oh, the old Apple naming conventions. Are it's terrible. still it's not old. It's still in place, and it still sucks. Here's the problem. So they, then, you I'm, know what? First of all, they should have called the iPhone 3G the iPhone 2. Well, it probably is in there. There's there's two different sets of nomenclature for Apple. There's the internal naming, and then there's sure the, uh, the four point one and all that kind of right. stuff. So yeah. iPhone, you know, uh, the uh, the 3G was I think iPhone, you know, three comma one or two comma one. I think it was. It was. Two, 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 one. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, Apple has never changed. Like I, when they started doing this in the '90s with, um, with I want to say the Power Mac. Yeah. Uh, so what Apple's naming philosophy is really annoying, and what they do is they basically say, okay, here's our product name. It's the it's the PowerBook G4, and so the PowerBook G4, the very first one comes out in whatever, whenever that was. I don't know. Uh, you know, nineteen. 99 or, or 2000 sure 2000? so then and then you know sure enough nine to 12 months later they revised it and what do they do they're not going to rename it it's still a powerbook g4 but wait a minute how am i supposed to tell the difference between the powerbook g4 that i just bought nine months ago and the brand new one? Oh well we'll we'll just put in parentheses something specific about that computer to, dif- to differentiate it from the this others. one's aluminum this one's titanium this right. one is this one has digital audio this one is slot loading this right. one has uh you know uh, you know a uh, did uh, i don't know it just got but the people in the know in the old days used to use all the code names the wall street and the whatever well, the hell else those uh, things were that, that yeah yes and no I, I was never a huge fan of calling apple products by their code names and i mean i still don't like calling i, I was never that that was a sort of a decision that they made that I wasn't super psyched about when they started like publicly like calling the OS revisions like the cat names like once yeah. I think Jaguar was the first one that they started to like call it ten dot seven don't yeah, call just, it line. just keep the names straight man because because there's a reason why they they use version numbers so you can yeah. keep track you know it's true I, I still get confused sometimes when you you know when you think far farther back like which came first was it was it Panther or was it was it Leopard yeah. or Jaguar yeah. you know I can't remember off the top of my head which one those were I mean I could probably spend a minute and sort it out but you know i remember 10 3 10 4 10 5 and 10 6 right you know that's much easier um, the um 
Well, so I've had this printer for, oh, when did I buy it? Four years ago? I've had it for a long time. That's a good run. Yeah. Um, And the thing, the reason why I bought it over the Epson was twofold. First of all, it has matte ink and black, uh, photo black ink, and it doesn't switch between them. Nice. Two heads. Sure. So you don't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. It's got an internal um, uh, calibration system. So it actually calibrates, it actually does these prints and compares it internally in itself. Like it kind of, it prints and then it has sensor that senses like these uh, color bars that it makes. Neat. And it does some sort of internal calibration. Um, cool. Which you only really ever do like once, but you can do it if you have to. Sure. Um, it also cleaned itself once a day. If you just kept it on, if you didn't use it one day, like it does this like little cleaning cycle so that I've never in four years have I had clogged head problems or weird streaks huh. or anything like that. Or banding. Uh, yeah. Uh, and the ink cartridges were pretty big. They're like um, uh, 17 or 18 mil versus like 9 mil for the for the, Eps- the other Epsons. Uh-huh. And so, and it was cheaper. It was like $600 versus $800 or whatever the Epson was at the time. Sure. Uh, so I got it and it's been great. But the problem is now they've, it's, it's harder to find the uh, ink cartridges. Mm-hmm. And when you do, often they're expired or they're yeah, just about they're to expire. So sure. you put them in and then it's like, oh, you're using expired cartridges. You know, right, right, right. It right. becomes a big giant nightmare. Totally. So I've been looking to get a new printer. Mm-hmm. And so the, the the big players in the field now, because HP kind of stopped making these, yeah. which is kind of upsetting because I really like this printer, uh-huh. um, and the output's been really great, is yeah. um, Epson, of course, uh-huh. and and Canon. Yep. Really. The bubble um, jet. Remember the Canon bubble jet? Yes. <laughs> the, some of those were so tiny. Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the Canons are fine. They make the 9,000, I think it is, and then the 9,500, and there's like a Mark II Pro. I, don't, I can't keep up on the nomenclature. But the point is, one of them is dye ink, and one of them is pigment ink. Mm-hmm. And the pigment ink one is like a lot, is, is significantly more expensive as it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? I, part of me kind of feels like if I'm going to go and buy a new one, you might as well buy the industry standard because then it's an industry standard. Sure. You know, totally. So I've been looking into the Epson. Uh-huh. I should probably take a bigger look at the Canon, but here I am looking at the Epson. So wow. they've got the 2880, which is sort of the classic 13-inch printer that the the latest revision of the classic 13-inch printer they've been making for the last 10 years. Right. It was, I think, originally descendant of the 1200 from way, 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 way back yeah. when. Like when they started, like I think back, you know, in the late 90s, Epson finally sort of broke from the whole four color standard color, you know, ink. And they're like, Hey, wait a second, let's do light magenta and light cyan, you know? And yeah. you know, I think the, the 1200 was like the, fir- or maybe it was the 1600. I can't remember, but that was like the first one that had like six inks instead of four. And right. they actually made some pretty amazing looking prints. And now they have 27 inks in these things and it's, <laughs> no, um, it gets out of control. I think there's 12 or 10. There's, I think there's 12, like the biggest one. Like yeah. the, I know, uh, detouch had one of those giant 9,000 series, like, you know, plotter size ones and that i think that took 10 or 12 cartridges right. it was insane so the the 2880 is fine you know and, and and i could get that one however they recently came out with the new r3000 which is not to be confused with their higher end 17 inch 3880 or whatever it is right um which is like 1300 bucks or something which well, is way the, more than i want and the 3880 is like the poor man's version of their premium 40, 4880 which is yeah. an amazing printer that right. thing is un, un, but un- i don't need to print 17 inches if i'm printing that big i'm sending it out anyway and it's right. cheaper it's like I, i'm just not i don't print enough to make that no, worthwhile totally 
I just need to make prints for people. Uh, like if I'm doing a small run of signed 11 by 14s or 13 by 19s, or I sure. want to print something out for somebody. So pretty much I'm coming down between this 3000 and this 2880. Now the 2880 is like $600. The the 3000 is like $800. However, both of them at the moment have rebates. I think yeah, you can get the 2880 for a lot less than that. Right. Well, you can get the 3000 though for 650 bucks. Nice. And the reason why this is better is that the ink cartridges are like 28 milliliters mm-hmm. versus 10 or something or 11. It's true. They take a total. So there's different. a huge difference there, right? Yep. Um, and then uh, the other difference is, uh, I don't know, better paper handling and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that it still has that classic Epson problem where if you want to switch between matte and non-matte papers and glossy papers, it has to use some of the black ink. And it ends up being like $5 worth of ink that it has to use. Well, let me ask you this. How, how often do you switch between matte and Okay, well, here's the thing. Most of the time I am printing on on glossy, not glossy papers, but I use like the, the, yeah, the luster and that kind yeah, of thing. Sure. Right. I love those kinds of papers, and that's 99% of the time yeah, that I use the great. printer. Right. Here's the only time that I ever don't use it for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to print out my Amtrak plane ticket. Dude. Or train dude, ticket. You, you I use know. a photo printer for that? Well, because this printer doesn't have that problem, so I just keep paper in there, and it prints out the stupid <sighs> thing. So I don't uh, have to go buy another laser just to print out a thing once a month. Uh, I, you I, know? All right. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but that is... Th- this one is fine for that, because it doesn't use the different thing, and it just pulls up a piece of paper and prints it out, and it's done. All right. So I don't have to have two printers. Well, that's the answer to your problem. Sorry, bro. Get two printers. I know. Yeah. You can get a personal laser printer for like 80 bucks now. They're I know. so the cheap. One that I watched you forever. It'll I know. Last the, you forever. The one, that I, the one that I was looking at was this little Samsung that has Wi-Fi yeah, and Samsung everything. Sits brother, in the closet. Man. It's That's like 100 it. bucks. That's it. And you're done. And the toner, I mean, if you're printing out one, like me, I've had, seriously, It'll dude, literally I've had this, last, last for five years. Yeah, dude, I've had the same exact thing. I bought it before, like just before I moved here in Chicago in 2006. Yep. It's a brother or something or other. I can't remember. Uh, I'm still on my original toner cartridge, dude. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I print out like shipping labels and I, you know, maybe a map quest thing from back in the day. Exactly. Uh, you know, really, I turn it on maybe twice a month and right. uh, it's fine. I know that's what I'm going to have to do, just but do it's it. just, yeah. So, but you know what? Let me tell you so one little quick side thing. My mother had like a little Samsung one like that, uh-huh. a 1710 or something. Uh-huh. And when I upgraded her from uh, leopard to snow leopard, uh-huh. It didn't have Snow Leopard drivers. Well, and Snow it Leopard lost them in the upla- in the yeah, upgrade. but Snow Apple has been uh, right. doing the they've been handing the printer drivers off to the software update background. Yeah, you know, like process. exactly, but there were none. Like oh, there, maybe it was because it, it was brand new. No, it was a very old printer. No, I'm saying it was because oh, uh, this is right when Leopard or no, 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 no. This is like a year and a half after Snow Leopard came out. Oh, really? So yeah. did, you, did you have to go to the website and download something? <laughs> you have no idea what I had to do. Okay. Uh, we'll see. You know what happens with Samsung is that it's such a multinational corporation. The Samsung US site, the global site, the one in Australia, they're all different sites. Sure. And they have different files on them. Okay. It turns out I finally found drivers that would work on the... Uh, snow in the Australian site, but I had to also then install not classic because you can't do classic, but I had to install. Um, well, wait, in Snow Leopard, could you still use the PowerPC thing? Could you still do the uh, Rosetta? Rosetta, yeah. yeah, okay, but you can't in Lion, right? Correct. So I had to install Rosetta to then because the installer itself was a PowerPC app. 
It, it was. It took me like two hours <laughs> to find the damn thing. Sorry, dude. Because you know these companies have four hundred million different printers, so no, you're like, course, you know, it becomes a thing. Anyway, back onto the other thing. So I got to buy a laser for that, which I didn't really want to have to do because I don't really use it that often. You know. Yeah. Um. So I'm kind of leaning towards the three thousand versus the twenty eight eighty. So I'm reading reviews, mm-hmm. and some guy writes a review, and it says, uh, "Yeah, you know, this printer's really great. The output's fantastic." But even though I calibrate my monitor and everything, I found that the prints came out a little dark. So I had to put a um, uh, 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 like a curve, basically, like an adjustment layer on there before I printed. But that's not a big deal. And I'm like, if I'm spending $800 on a printer, mm-hmm. I don't want to have to manually adjust my prints so that they come out right on the printer. You know what I mean? No, that's the whole point. What do you think a profile is, dude? No, 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 not profile. Like the guy was manually like brightening up each well, print. Then he's not. He's not calibrating it right. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I'm hoping because right now my printer it comes out. I can hold it up to my screen and it's like dead on. Right. So well, it's so like you I've, calibrated your stuff properly. It's right. Not, he says he's calibrated his stuff properly. All right. Well, and he's right. like a big site, and that's that's kind of part of my fear because I don't really want to spend eight hundred dollars and then not be able to use my thing correctly. Well, you know? you know what you do is you buy it, you try it out, and if you don't like it, you return it. Yeah, I know. But these things weigh like 80 pounds, and I don't really want to have to do that. They weigh like 50 pounds. <laughs> um, so anyway, I don't, do you have any input on whether you would go with the smaller tanked one that's cheaper or the bigger tanked one that's more expensive? Well, uh, the first thing I would uh, consider when making that decision would be my printing volume. Yep. Uh, some places... Um, make money off of their prints. And yep. if you can say that, you know, every time I run a, a you know, a print out of this printer, I, I could charge someone for it, then uh, it's in your best interest to get the best bang for your buck, you know? And yep. you can you can definitely justify spending the money on the uh, on the bigger thing. Right. Um, but if you're if you're only doing if you're not getting paid for every print and you're also and then on top of that you're not printing all that much, it's kind of hard to justify the higher expense, you know? Yeah. Um, I can personally tell you from the experience that I've had going, I've, I've had pretty good, uh, like a year's worth of, you know, monkeying around with the 1400, the 2400 and the 2880 and a little bit with the 3000. Um, wait, the 3880 or the 3000, the 2880, uh, 20. Yeah. You, did you play the 3000 or the 3880? I I, I just a little bit for the 3000. And I've also, and I've also done a, a bunch of random stuff with the, the 4800 and the 4880 as well. But okay. those, again, those are in a different class, so I wouldn't really even compare those. Um, but putting them all, let's put the, the, the three next to each other, the 2400, the 2880, and the um, and the 3000. They all, I mean, the difference in, in quality between the three of them is really subtle. Yeah, sure. I mean, you can, you're, you're going to have, I mean, we're talking. I don't like, expect to get that much better print. What I'm thinking, maybe the 3000 has a much faster processor in it. So maybe it's a faster printer that, yeah, you, you'll it's see got that, Wi-Fi. Have you ever used wireless to print photos? I haven't. I don't know what the point is. I mean, I guess well, sure, it would be convenient. nice to not have to have the printer right next to my desk sure. and I could have yeah, it in the closet run a somewhere. USB cable, but, but even yeah. still, man, it's another layer of, of stuff that can go wrong. I mean, there's something really sure. simple and elegant about it. Just a USB cable, you know, going from the computer to the printer yep. done. Um, anyway, but the point is, um, once you've ruled out the quality aspect and then, and then there's the speed aspect, sure. um, the only other thing that would come into play is the, is the, uh, you know, is, is the printer itself, you know? And now here's the thing. I found that the, uh, the 2400 is a little bit more, um, 
reliable, solid, less prone to paper and ink head clogging and stuff like that. Okay. You know, less lower maintenance. It all, Where it, the 2400 know, was? Yeah, they stopped making okay. it, unfortunately. Right. The 2880 yeah, is sort of like the replacement for it. Right. Um, but, and again, the quality is like very, very similar, like close enough that I wouldn't, I wouldn't make that big of a deal of it. And, you know, and it was, it was there, that was like the $500 13 inch printer, like you're talking about. Um, and you could still get ink for it too. I mean, the thing, the printer's like almost five years old now and you can still get ink for it, which is kind of cool. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, the, the reason I, I didn't like the 2880 as much is because, uh, it, it wasn't, it didn't seem to be as, um, travel friendly. <laughs> I know for like 99% of the people out there who would use it, that's not an issue. But for me, packing them into flight cases and, you know, ha- sending them in and out, you know, on jobs all the time, that was a problem. You know, it, it was not uncommon for me to get a printer back and it was all clogged up and it took me like a good hour of like individually going through each. Right. You know, each cartridge, trying to find the one that was spending broken. $180 worth of yeah, things and, to do and, it, you know, burning through a couple of cartridges and it, and it sucked, you know, and, and, and I would say, man, like, let's say we, we owned, we had four, four in our rotation. Right. And in the year that I was in charge of that stuff, I had to send three of them back over time and then 2880s. Yeah. And then eventually we, we, we upped it to six. So we had six in rotation. But um, I would attribute all that, you know, more to wear and physical wear and tear, like you know, us not using the printer as they were intended, you know. Sure. Um, so I'm I'm a little I'm a little biased there, but uh, you know, we also had you know, Jesus, like eight, maybe ten of the twenty four hundreds, and those things never never died. The only the only problem those things ever had was that you know they just they got their they they just died of old age. You know, they just they started making weird noises, you know, and like mechanical, sure. mechanical issues, like just from wear and tear. And then we eventually retired them all. But, um, yeah, it's well, one thing that's interesting is that the 3000, the ink cartridges are that much bigger. So in some ways, the difference in price is actually made up by the extra ink you get on the first, you know, if it costs 200 bucks extra, that's sure. a set of ink and the ink cartridges are two and a half times the size of the small ones. Yeah, there you go. So that's you're basically getting it for free, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's however, apparently though, they charge twice they charge over twice as much for the cartridges so pretty much price per mill is the same it, i mean but and the other thing is like they probably last the same amount of time. i mean you're looking at the same number of prints per milliliter or whatever you know per yeah, yeah. whatever so it's not like yep. you know although once. actually maybe slightly less with the 3000 cuz it uses uh two picoliter drops versus three <laughs> so actually the prints should be a tiny, tiny bit better with the 3000 sure yeah. And then, you know, and then the other theory is that every time you put a new cartridge in, it has to eat some it's of purge, it. Purge, yeah. You know, and yeah. then so the, the less you have to do that, the less ink you waste. So, yep. so, blah, so blah. you have experience with the 3000? What do you think? I, I the, the prints look great. I, I don't have any working experience. I never had to support it. I never really had to spend any time with it. I've only seen prints that have, came, uh, have come out of it and they look terrific. Are they a lot? Is it a lot bigger than the 2880? Yeah. I would say it's a good 20% bigger. Okay. So anyway, it's all, it's all very interesting. This stuff's such a pain in the neck. Just to, yeah, you know, I hate printing, man. I'm, I'm so glad that See, it's not I like a, part having of my regular, uh, here's the thing though. Lately, you want, you want, want me to tell you what my favorite printer is, dude? Sure. The Epson picture mate, the little, <laughs> lunch, the little lunchbox, man. I love those things. That gives I'm, you like a four by six. Yeah. And they're awesome. Were they man. die sub or was it inkjet? It's inkjet. It's got okay. one cartridge that's got all four colors in it. 
you, when you buy the and and the, the cartridge lasts maybe five hundred sheets ish. Yeah, maybe at the most. Uh, and you can't buy the cartridge alone. It comes with a pack of paper, which is fine because you know you're going to go through more paper than ink anyway. Um, it it runs on batteries, so you can take yeah. it with you on a shoot. Uh, it has a built-in screen. It can eat uh, CF cards and SD cards, so you can even do like card-based print. You don't even need a computer. You can just literally take the card out of your camera. Not that you do this, but you know, for yeah. for normal people. But um, and you know, it has USB on it, so you can obviously plug it into your laptop. Uh, and the prints look great. They look really, really good. Um, and they're fast. The thing comes out like you know, in in less than tw- thirty seconds for one print. Sure. And the printer and the printer is like maybe two hundred bucks. Yeah, um, and I think there's a few of them. I don't remember which one we were using, but the little white one, like, like it literally looks like a little lunch pail. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it just it's a great, great little combo, and I would highly recommend anyone uh, check it out. I'll put a link in there. Yeah, so I, so I, I don't know. I go back and forth, and I want to sell some more prints going forward. So this, I need to invest eventually. But so that's where I'm going. So if anybody has any experience with either of these and uh, wants to send me a little email, bill at billwadman dot com or uh, at Bill Wadman on Twitter. I would appreciate it. Um, what else we got on the on the on the thing here? List of things to talk about. Well, we we can also talk about uh, more new stuff. Ooh, what um, do we got? Well, I was uh, checking out that new Fuji camera, the One Pro S X One. <laughs> I believe it is called the, the X Pro One. Pro One Mirror. Terrible name. Yeah, just call well, it the X One or the X One Pro. Yeah, something lose lose one because it's X One Hundred and X Ten, right? Right. Okay, so this is so a call the X Pro. This is like an APS-C. Yeah. So a cropped sensor, uh, range findery yeah. little camera with interchangeable with, lenses. Yeah. Very. So cool. basically, like a like a M Eight. They, well, they're calling it the M Nine Killer. Yeah, but it's not an M Nine Killer because the M Nine is full frame. Oh, which really does make a big deal. That's a good call. Um, but it's also like, you know, half the price, not even a third of the price. Yeah. What is it? A two grand for the body? Something like that. So it's not cheap. This is not like a, you know, it's not like an $800 camera. No, it's, you're looking at, you know, between twelve and 1500 to get in, um, you know, with a camera and a lens or two. Well, no, no, no. It's, it's more than that, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. Let me look it up. Okay. Um, I, I thought it ended up being like more like twenty five hundred bucks with everything all in. Oh, like with like more than one lens and stuff. It, it was like a it was like two grand for the body or eighteen hundred for the body, and then the lenses were six hundred bucks a pop. That's eighteen hundred for the body. You said? Yeah, I thought that's what no. It was. I don't think so. I think it's like a, a grand for the body. I'm trying. I can't. I'm trying to find an article that actually has the price prices list because not all these places have the. Uh, the yeah. uh, actual numbers, but anyway, the point is, it's cute. I'm I want a big, one. I'm a big fan of this new trend in the whole, you know, mirrorless large sensor uh, compact camera. But you're not a big fan of rangefinders. No. Uh, I just think it's a good. I think it's a good thing, and I, I'm I'm a big fan of this concept, and uh, I think it should keep going. Um, uh, I you know. Here we go. Uh, body will be around seventeen hundred. What really? Twenty two twenty two hundred bundled with a thirty five f one four. All right, that's got to be list then. That the can't be. prices are for other lenses. They only make two other lenses. They're six to five to six hundred dollars a piece. Wow, it's well, not cheap. It's not a cheap camera. No, no, but, I guess not. But it is a very good looking camera. And if I wanted a camera to walk around with, this would probably be it. Hmm. The only thing is, I played with uh, my friend's X. 10 is 
or the X100. Is that the low the, end the, one? The silver one? Yeah, the, the silver the one is the $500 one? Yeah, that's the X10. I Actually, it's funny because I just recently played with an X100. What were your thoughts on the X10? Um, I thought I took some pictures at ISO 1600 and they were very noisy, like very plasticky, digitally looking. Interesting. Um, I also found the, uh, the interface confusing. Yeah. Well, that's, that's uh, and I actually surprising. didn't find the, the pictures overall did not look very good to me. <laughs> okay. You know, so you didn't like it. <laughs> um, I mean, for $500 comparing it to the G10 or whatever it is, it's yeah. around that kind of quality. Have you seen this new me. G1X? Yes. Now that, that is sort of in between this Fuji thing and the old G's, right? Well, th- so it's I a think larger. That's, that's Canon's answer to the X100. Right. Uh, or, yes. But it's expensive. It's like. Yeah, it's like 900 bucks. Yeah, that's an expensive can. Well, like, that's that's you, how much you, the X100 costs. Yeah, but what's kind of crazy is that you could buy a pretty nice digital Rebel, which is like a, you know. Yeah, you can get yourself a D3000, I think, whatever the, yeah. you know, the lower end one for like 600 bucks. And then, the, yeah. and, you know, the kit lens on there is probably pretty good. So it's 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 for. Sometimes I feel like these things are about style more than they are substance or size. Yeah, yeah I think over, you're right. Over a quality. I think you're right. So it's it yeah the 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 G1X looks pretty cool. It's you know that's another that's another weird thing. I, you I mean we get asked. I mean I I'm, I know I do. I'm sure you do too. You get asked what kind of camera should I buy? And more so more than ever man it's 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 becoming so much less about the quality of the picture that the camera makes mm-hmm. and so much more about like what how you want to use it like are you do you want to do you want a camera that you can stick in your pocket and carry it around with you all day then that's yeah. the, you, then you need to think about this stuff do you want a camera that's just going to be sitting in your bag all day uh then you want to think about this stuff and then are you a professional and do you need you know do you need this kind of equipment do you need this yeah, kind of how be, are you, know? you going to be printing what are you going to be doing with the pictures the the problem i have with all of that is that it feels to me anything smaller than a um like an APS-C sensor, like a cropped sensor. Yeah. My iPhone does almost as good of a job. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's... And that's the problem. I feel like that anything between my iPhone and my digital SLR is sort of like a, okay, I'm spending three times as much, but I'm getting 30, 40% better Yeah, the only, the only argument to that would be the lens. Zooming in, yeah. Yeah, because uh, some of these, obviously, these uh, these little point-and-shoots do have Can zoom in. better lenses. And actually now... Just to sort of play devil's advocate here, not that again, not that I disagree with you, um, but this current uh, the current trend in higher quality, um, more, more sensitive sensor technology yep. is really um, you know paving the way. It's really it's really pushing coming, the high ISO com, coming stuff. to the surface. Yeah, yeah, but you know um, what? For, for the little tiny cameras like the yeah. like that that X one hundred or whatever I played with. The X10. Which one? So wait, it's the X100 is the... The X100 is the silver one. They both okay. have fixed lenses, um, and the X100 is the one with the bigger sensor. Okay, so the X10 is what I played with. Uh-huh. And you know what? At 1600, it did not look good. Like, it didn't look good at all. Like, it was pretty bad. So if I can't use it at 1600, like, how much better is that than my phone, you know? Yeah. Like, I, 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 really, I really wonder about this stuff. Um, and I tend to use, I tend to shoot pretty wide anyway. So if I'm just shooting, traveling or taking pictures of my friends, like the phone is fine. Kind of to me, unless you're going up to a, you know, inch size sensor, right. Then there's not that much of an improvement. So what's the point? No, I agree. I agree. Um, but it's, yeah, no, but the, the new Fuji interesting. Yeah. If it was, if it was $1,500 with a lens, I'd probably go buy one. Really? 
but I'm not going to go spend twenty five hundred dollars. So, one. but but what would you use that camera for? I mean, you you'd take it out and just go on walks and you know just as a walk around shooting kind of camera. No, I would use it like I use my Leica. I would shoot portraits with it. I'd shoot jobs with that. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Well, see, I don't use a zoom anyway. No, I'm not. Right? I'm not talking about the zoom. I'm just talking about the, the quality of the glass and the sensor. I mean, I'd have to see what the shots look like, and I'd be and do willing some to bet AB. that they look pretty damn good. I mean, I, not like you know, I wouldn't use it for the most important things in my life, but I'm sure they look a lot better than a little compact and probably as good as a crop digital SLR would look. No, it's it's true. I, I, I mean, I'm Fuji makes good glass. Fuji makes the glass for um Hasselblad for for the Hasselblad H, H stuff. Yeah, they do. Yeah. No, so, I, I, mean, I have no no qualms about it. Believe me, uh, I I just I uh, I would need to see it. Is all I'm saying. Sure, yeah. It's a, uh, and it's a whole new mount too. It's not, they actually like, you know, created their own. It's not like the Micro Four Thirds, and it's not like yeah. a, and it's it's some new. Well, Fuji that also mount. doesn't make me feel any better. Like, <laughs> because yeah. you might as well make it a like a M mount. Right, start, you can you know standardize on something. Apparently, there is some sort of adapter so you can use M lenses. But then again, you're using M lenses, then they're cropped. So yeah. you got to go even wider and yeah. wide like a glass is crazy expensive. So, yeah. you know, yeah. you're getting into weird territory there. Yeah. This is niche stuff anyway. It's this true. is not going to be a huge giant thing. It's true. It reminds me of that Epson rangefinder that they oh, made yeah, yeah. years ago. The quote unquote Leica one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With the Zeiss glass or whatever it was. Exactly. Um, so I'm, I'm taking back my Kindle Fire. Oh, what the hell? I thought you fixed it. Uh, it, it works. I have ice cream sandwich on it, and there's the things, a couple things about ice cream sandwich that make it so it's useless for me. Dude, you are the most insufferable tablet user I've ever met. You've had an iPad too. Mm-hmm. You've had a Nook. Yep. And now you've had a Fire. Yeah. And, and you've returned them all. I don't. I, I, I've kind of come You're to doing the thing it wrong. that I really You're don't doing like it wrong. tablets. You're just that's Apparently. it. It's not for you. The big problem I have with the Kindle Fire and with uh, Ice Cream Sandwich in general, and I hate to admit this because I'm an Android fan overall, uh-huh. is that they moved the home button and the back button and all that stuff into like a little thing along the side of the screen or on the bottom of the screen, rather. So your problem is software? Yeah. Well, here's the, th- here's the thing. Uh-huh. Even full screen mode in the browser, that bar is still there. So? So when you have it turned landscape and it's already a widescreen screen... It's taking up like 10% of the bottom of the screen. Uh-huh. So like I'm trying to look at somebody's portfolio right. and I've got this like menu bar at the bottom of the screen, including right. my own portfolio. Right, right, right. So my, my pictures don't look good because it like cuts off half the screen. It's, it's kind of like there's no way to turn that off and just hide it or yeah. something, you know? Yeah. Um, and apparently there is no way. And so I'm just like, you know what? I'll bring it back, get my $260. And if they come out with an iPad 3 with a high-res screen, which is one of the things I didn't like about the two. You know, uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe I'll get one. But right now, it's kind of like, you know, it's not worth it. And so I ended up uh, putting the Amazon software back on there, got rid of all of the uh, hacking stuff I did. Sure. So I, I did that last night and put it into a box. So it's ready to go. Wow. Uh, one last thing, uh, <sighs> the Lightroom beta. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I haven't had it. I mean, I've seen the news about it. Uh, I haven't had a chance to download it and install it yet. What do you think? So, it's surprising. It's been a lot longer since Lightroom 3 than I remember. It's like almost two years. Really? Oh, I guess yeah. that sounds about right. Well, we're, we're 3.5 now, though. 3.6, I think. Well, but, no, but the, when 3.5 came out, that was a that was a pretty substantial update as well. Yeah. Um, most of those little updates to Lightroom are just adding new cameras and things. Yeah, or lenses for the yeah. lens correction. Uh, and uh, since I use a very old camera, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. <laughs> no, I, yeah, what I'll say, uh, the things that I've been reading about, and you can tell me if this, uh, if this is true, 
Um, but the things that they've changed in the interface uh, are all smart and logical. Like I like that they're they've like that. The one thing I think that stuck with me is the uh, the re uh, I guess you could call it recalibration of the va- uh, values in the control panels. You know, when you're in the develop yep. module. So now rather well, than well, there's no more brightness control. Well, rather think like than something starting at like twenty. You know, yes. by the default, and it's all the way like two thirds to the left. Now everything yep. starts in the middle, and it all starts at zero. Yep. <laughs> and you can either yep. slide it to the left or to the right, and it's you know all the units they, of measurement yeah. are the same. They got rid of brightness, and it used to be exposure and brightness, and you can never really tell what the difference was between them. Uh-huh. Um, now it's there's just exposure, mm-hmm. and now uh, there's there used to be fill light and recovery, and then the blacks thing. Yep. Now there's there's highlights, shadows, whites, and blacks. So basically, you can control the white point and the black point, and then by using the shadows and the highlights, you kind of change the curve at each end. Nice, yeah, um, which is all great, super. Um, there's also it does video stuff and you can actually use all those controls on video well which doesn't really you know I mean but as far as uh, color same, temperature though. and all those things yeah it's not the same as like you're not you're not it doesn't actually process raw I mean the, the, the it's kinda, not processing raw but it can it can affect all those things like it was doing a JPEG before interesting I can do video that's cute so if, if you were trying to if you brought in a bunch of video clips and you wanted to get them all looking pretty close to each other I would use Final Cut Pro X <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, the idea is that you could. I, I don't do much video, so this is meaningless to me. But sure. apparently, you can do that. No. Um, uh, I did a I did a project really recently, and I I figured I'd give Final Cut Pro X um, a try, and I was really impressed with how quickly and easily it took care of that. And uh, that's what I would use in the future for that. Uh, kind of stuff. Yeah, I was fine with that. The only thing I don't like about Final Cut Pro Ten that the times that I've played with it is when like Claude and I were trying to bounce files back and forth to each other. Oh yeah. That's it's terrible awesome. with yeah, that stuff. Yeah. It's not really designed for sharing. Right. Unless and you're so, like, on the same network and everything's all. Exactly. Yeah, so that's centrally. We ended up going back to premiere, but, um, the other cool thing in Lightroom for, uh, the brush, you know, the adjustment oh, yeah, brush yeah. so you can paint stuff in, you can now paint in white balance <laughs> and tint. Yeah, which could be really cool for like mixed lighting situations. So yeah, if you, you had, want to get that whole purple, or sorry, the the, the blue orange thing, you know, between yeah. tungsten and uh, right. Or or if light. you had to shoot and there were uh, light, you know, uh, fluorescence overhead, but there was uh, window light coming in the side and you couldn't do anything about it, you could do something about it after the fact. Interesting. Uh, so that one's actually kind of cool. Neat. Um, and then uh, what else was kind of cool? They they, they added up, a they, book. They updated like yeah, the like a book gallery. There's a book thing. module and it lay, you could send stuff to Blurb. Which is okay, neat. Uh, there's a maps module which oh, right, is useless to me, stuff. and most cameras don't have GPS right now. So great, I can check out the things on my iPhone that are in there. I guess <laughs> that's it's coming though. I'm telling you, this next gen. It's neat. You um, know, the, the GPS stuff is really handy for say newspaper people, well, but I don't think it's useless u- that useful for me. No, no, not for not for like portrait and editorial people, right. but for people who do like you say news, sports, and yep. travel. You know, like let's say you're sure. vacationing. How cool sure. is it that you can put together a little? I, you know, I don't know album. that it deserves equal footing in the modules map. Although somebody pointed out because I bitched and moaned about this on my blog, uh-huh. and some guy said, "Hey, if you right click next to library to the left of library on the on the toolbar up top, you can actually turn them off up there." You can selectively turn off modules. Oh, so if you sense. never use the Word Web one, yeah, I never use or whatever. One. Yeah, exactly. You could turn that off, which is actually kind of nice. Nice. Um, so well, you could also faster. customize it too. You could put like your logo in there. Yeah, instead yeah, of yeah. Which logo <laughs> always felt a little silly to me. What are you guys doing? Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So overall, uh, you know, great. Nothing that's going to blow my mind. I don't think. Although it kind of feels like you could do more stuff 
in Lightroom without having to open Photoshop, but I almost invariably have to go into Photoshop with stuff anyway. Yeah. I, so it's kind of like it, I think th- they're just blurring the line between the two. Yeah, and I think that's good. Um, I, I I'll say that I sp- I'm spending less and less time in Photoshop these days. Just because but I'm you know, but my style of shooting is a lot different than yours, and that I'm sure. more of a you know all in the camera kind of guy, and you're more of a you know a tweaker. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I think that's that's great that they're adding these tools, and it also the other thing to think about is that raw. Um, people shooting in raw like the, the number of, of photographers generating raw files is only gonna increase sure and so you know like when you do when let's say you know your next camera is that that x um that x100 or that x10 or even the canon s95 or the s1 you know these sure. little point and shoots that can't or the, the g series all these cameras can generate raw files mm-hmm. and as raw files become more and more manageable and less you know, mysterious and, and annoying, um, you know, people are going to want to monkey with it. I wouldn't be surprised if um, the next iteration of iPhoto, you know, the stock freebie photo editing app for uh, the I- uh, not iOS, but for Mac OS, uh, would have some sort of raw processing ability in it. It already does. Well, it, it can. I f- it, what it does is it takes raw stuff and converts it to JPEG immediately. Right off the bat, it doesn't right? give you yeah. any 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 choices. But I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if it uh, if they figured that out. You know. Yeah. Next. Well, then again, they're selling Aperture for seventy nine bucks. So that's a good point. And actually, a lot of people have been jumping on the Aperture bandwagon just because it's such a cool, yeah. It's a really it's a really easy transition from iPhoto. I mean, it can, sure. It can literally open the iPhoto library and you could pick up right where you left off. I just I'm cool. I'm sticking with the Adobe. I don't trust Apple. <laughs> I know. Uh, I don't trust I, Apple not to change things in a way that I can't do anything about, you know? I know. Like the Final Cut stuff. No, I hear you. I hear you. I, it's funny because I, I still use – I use iPhoto only for my iPhone. So yeah. so iPhoto is is full of all of my old, old, old-ass pictures from, you know, way, way before whenever. Um, I'd have to go back and look at what the oldest photo is. Uh, and then all of my uh, iPhone pictures. And then I use Lightroom for everything else. Uh, one last thing in Lightroom, which are actually pretty cool. They made some changes to the DNG spec the digital negative. Yep. So they've added oh, two the things. Compression. Right. They can make it smaller. Now. Yeah. So you can, they, they have lossy compression of the data. So you can still keep the ability to pull back highlights and, you know, massage raw data like you would. Right. Except it actually has lossy compression on the actual, the, the raw data so that you can make the files a lot smaller. So Which is, if you knew you wanted to keep this picture and you knew you wanted to keep it raw, but maybe, you know, if it lost 5% of its image quality, in favor but of saved like 50% of the savings yeah, yeah. of space That's huge. for outtakes and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, it's like you, you, yeah. you, can't, you can't afford to, to throw these pictures away because, uh, you know, the client might ask for them or, or maybe there's a yeah. legal thing. Yep. But I, mean, I would imagine, you know, who's going to love this is your, is your, is your pal, uh, Mr. Sousa. <laughs> you know, I'll bet you oh, the, sure. the White House would love that because, you know, sure. they, can't, they legally can't throw anything away. Exactly. So, uh, this will let them but know. I wonder if that if that means they can't throw away data either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does that does uh, the throwing away mean every little uh, pixel, every little it, bit? <laughs> there's also a flip side to that. They've also put in a feature that you can actually change the resolution of the raw data with while keeping it raw. Huh. Interesting. So you could make it take your 21 megapixel images and make them you know, six megapixel. If you know they're never going to get used that big, you could still keep the raw, but make them smaller. Interesting. It's kind of neat. Yeah. So uh, those are actually kind of cool features. And I am a big, huge proponent of the DNG stuff. I trans, I convert everything to DNG. I should do that. Cause okay. it's an open spec. 
The files are smaller yeah. even before you do anything. No, that's true. And, and it's not going anywhere. I mean, that's Adobe has established it. You know, it's, it's one thing yeah. like when the camera manufacturers do their crazy, goofy stuff. Yeah. But, I, uh, I, I trust Adobe to keep the DNG spec up more than I trust Canon to keep some arbitrary, proprietary raw format. Right, the CR2. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, just anyway. put that out there. Yeah. Uh, anything else before we wrap up? I don't think so. We covered a lot of ground today. We did. Um, if anybody wants to buy me an Ona bag, just, you know. Right. Well, don't you, you have a birthday coming up? No, you just had a birthday. Just had a birthday. Uh, oh, well, maybe next year. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think that's it. Right on. So uh, if you want to get a hold of us, circuitous.tv. Right. We also have uh, Twitter accounts. Um, we do. Which actually isn't a bad way to uh, get a hold of us. I'm at, at Dan Gottesman, and yep. Bill is at Bill Wadman. That's right. Uh, and uh, let's see, uh, circuitous conversations at Gmail, like we said earlier, right. if you want to email us. Right, right. And uh, once again, go over to um, iTunes. Yeah. And uh, rate us. Hook us up, yo. And subscribe and uh, tell your friends. Indeed. Well, this was a pretty nerdy, spec-heavy one. Well, sometimes we get that way. Yeah. Maybe we'll get a. Okay. Maybe we'll have a guest next time if we get lucky. We like guests. We do, and, and that that goes for uh, you guys as well. If you guys have any suggestions for uh, guests, people you want to hear us chat, chat with, send them our way. Sounds good. All right. Later. Take care. Right on.